How are you, man? I'm good. Good. Yeah. You went. You I was, went to. Yeah. Keep going. I was just gonna say you you went to the states and um, yeah. How was it? It was nice. I went there and got vaccinated uh, in the beginning of the month. Uh, it was very smooth situation. I just wanted to get that finished and try to move on with my life, but it didn't really make that much of a difference. But I guess I just did my part with society to try to move past this vex, this uh, COVID corona situation. Mm. But did you get your vaccination here in Germany or in the U.S.? In the U.S. I got an appointment there because it's just taking too long here. And um, if I had the opportunity, I needed to go back anyways to take care of some driver license issues. So I just said, let's just go. And work's pretty slow at the moment. So they let me leave. And it was nice just to have a couple of weeks of break, too. It's been very tough here and for me in Berlin, there's not much to do besides work and go home. Um, and you can't really hang out with your friends. And strict, you know, strict lockdown has just been very tough on a lot of us. So it was nice just to go to a place where they still had like social distancing and mask wearing, but you know, bars and restaurants and shopping was open, and outdoor concerts are like starting to happen as well. Wow. Okay. And, and was this all over the U.S. Or, or, or just where you were? All over. Um, I was in Washington D.C. and Maryland for a couple of weeks, and I went down to the South to Atlanta and Nashville, Tennessee, and uh, yeah, everything was just pretty open. You know, some people wearing masks, I'm not. Definitely mask indoors. Um, but in D.C., everybody was wearing masks outside. And the funny inside joke of D.C. right now is if you're not wearing a mask, you're a Republican. <laughs> <laughs> so everybody just wears. So even here, kids are saying, like, Mommy, put your mask on. I don't want people to think you're a Republican. You know, it's pretty funny. But mm. they, they, they've politicized uh, the pandemic. So. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I don't know. How, I mean, how much of the politicization of the pandemic was by the Democrats? How much was it by Trump? Um, I mean, by all accounts, Trump seems, you know, he's still in more or less in charge of the Republican Party, isn't he? I mean, you know, they're talking that uh, you know, Liz Cheney is going to be kicked out on you know, next week on, on as soon as Wednesday. She's no longer going to be the the leader of the party uh, in the Senate. I mean, w what's going on there? Do you know? No, I, I think they're just kind of scrambling for an identity. Um, and Trump was their identity and their, their way into power. But now it's um, he's like radicalized so many of them, the support that they're just like trying to eliminate the one, the, the little bit of Republicans that have some dignity left, in my opinion. I mean, the Ted Cruz was also, you know, there was this picture taken with Ted Cruz, you know, sort of showing how close he is with Trump. And, you know, people are very critical of, of, of Cruz anyway. Um, but they say, then how can you be basically, you know, chummying up to a guy who was so uh, critical and insulting of, of you? And I mean, it, it, as you say, you know, Surely people who, who can do that have no or at least have a different understanding of the word dignity. Yeah, well, we all know that Ted Cruz lacks a lot of dignity and 
you know, he, the whole issue with him taking his family to like Cancun um, when that huge uh, hurricane or tornado natural disaster happened in Texas was just like, and then people still continue to support these people. It's just amazing to me that they just ignore the facts, you know, and they make up stuff that's not true to try to like to authenticate their conspiracy and uh, beliefs it's really absurd but they're only tricking themselves i mean if they make up their own facts they're only fooling themselves into believing this because most people can see or at least if they choose to um what the reality is of the situation you know I mean, Trump's not going to unite the USA. He just spent four, five or six years trying to divide it. Why would he suddenly turn into somebody who's a, you know, a unifying factor? So they don't want the US to they, be uni- no. united. No, they don't, want to, they don't want to unify at all. It's just a way to keep things normal, you know? And at this point, like, I have some friends who's, when I was in the US, they would say, like, if you still support this guy, you are, like, you, you are a racist. Like, it's, it's plain and simple. Like, you don't care about other people besides yourself and your race. And that's the only way you could support someone like this. It's just, it's not about politics anymore, you know? Especially, like, the Liz Cheney's of the world are getting thrown out. Who Her father is, like, one, you know, one of the most famous Republicans. You know? Vice president, wasn't he? Former vice yeah. president as well. Yeah. yeah. Dick I mean, Cheney. So I mean, it's it, like... Yeah. And, when, and, like, when George Bush doesn't support him and it wants to be so far away from it it's like these are the these are like the founding members not founding members but like you know the face of your party for the last 30 years and you just choose to ignore ignore them and what they're saying about because i i i, I mean i mean i've been trying to figure it out for four years and still can't mm. I mean, as you know, I'm I'm no supporter of um, of Bush, um, nor you know, uh, nor his father, Poppy Bush, and uh, nor indeed, especially not Prescott Bush. Um, so you know, I don't have any kind of affection for any of the uh, these people. But um, you know, I, I do believe that the Republican Party, you know, if it is going to continue to be a part of this two-party state that is the USA, it really needs to step up, doesn't it? Because at the moment, as you say, it really is legitimizing racism. The only thing that it isn't doing is coming out and saying, yeah, Republicans, yeah, we are racist. Um, and other than that, it's doing everything to suggest it is. It just doesn't want to admit it. Yeah, and then you have this whole aspect of uh, the media and their narrative pushing, you know, especially like the liberal media um, everything Republican is just so awful. And then the the right wing media is just like liberals are, are so soft. They want to change our culture. They, they're absurd. It's just going too far. And it's really hard to have a biased opinion about it because, for example, you know, like when I was back in the U.S., uh, I was speaking to like different people, different age groups, different um, ethnic backgrounds. And there's this new, you know, Biden has this trillion dollar tax bill that he wants to implicate taxing, you know, large corporations and using that money um, to help with infrastructure schools, blah, blah, blah. And a lot of Republicans are like, how come there's so many things on this bill? Why isn't it just set for one issue, you know? Um, And when I was speaking to like 
like a single mom or you know one of my friends she was like she had the same questions like where this where is this bill going and why you know why is there so many things why can't we just focus on one thing with the bill and then in the long term this is really going to hurt the economy because the big large corporations are going to end up punishing the people they're going to raise the prices on, on the goods because they're making less money blah 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 um and so and then I talked to my you know my cousin I've spoke about and he and he's like proud to say he's a Republican. I mean, he's got an 88 year old black guy serving the military and he's like I'm a Republican. You know, and it's just so funny because you don't see that anymore. You know, because he's those are his views on how the government and society's uh, government should be run and those conservative values. But he's not but he's not racist, <laughs> you know? Mm. But it's just because of his background, military background um and his beliefs from that for those like 30 years in the military that's what he chooses to be but a lot of um you know old, uh, black people of that generation were republicans because it was the party of lincoln so yeah. that also goes into that as well but he was also saying like i don't understand this bill whereas the more the money gonna go it's not it's not gonna help out in the long run yeah but i mean it's no longer the the party of lincoln though is it it's uh, you know if you change views as a party which completely remove yourselves from the position that was lincoln's you know you can't claim to represent lincoln's ideologies it, it just yeah. doesn't work that way uh, i mean you know they they may be they may carry the name they may temporarily carry the authority of the uh, you know the grand old party but they're not in any way representative of uh, what abraham lincoln uh, stood for at least not in the the the, the arguments covering race um, clearly not um, yeah I, I don't get it I mean I, I also don't get this concept of caring for you know your, your sort of you know, fellow humans as being soft I, I don't get this um, you know this idea that you know um, you know, legislation can only address individual issues at a time. Uh, I don't get the idea that Biden is left wing. You know, Biden is not left wing. The, 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 you know, maybe there are one or two elements within um, the Democratic Party. You could say, yeah, OK, you know, she has slightly socialist perspective on things. But as a party, you know, they're liberal. They're not left wing. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just like the liberal has turned into like either you like you stand up for minorities or not now, you know, it's not like, it's not really into politics, like, like that type of politics, like economic politics, you know, it's more like a social politic thing. Yeah. I mean, I always struggle with uh, trying to understand what the, in the U S there's, there's, there's a difference, you know, <laughs> Yeah, but I, I mean, I'm trying to understand w what these two parties stand for. I mean, what is the difference between Democrats and Republicans when you think that over the years, you know, they, they, they it's like they're fighting in a circle, you know, and they always go around in a circle, uh, but they don't they don't actually move to the left at any point. As in, there's no left wing representation in, in the US. There's only center and center right and now right, clearly, with the with with Trump and Cruz and so on. Um, so they all occupy some would argue that there has been like a a start of this like more left movement with some of the like the senators in New York and some of the women who are being elected into office and with different backgrounds. But yeah, yeah, and, and, then AOC and yeah, 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 
But I think at the end of the day, as they are in politics longer and more affected by lobbyists and staying in power, that their agendas will always reflect who's keeping them there. Sad part. Yeah. No, no matter how transparent they want to be, it's oh, they're always going to be like something that's pushing them. It's not going to be as uh, moral as you think. Mm. Yeah. In some cases. Yeah, I mean, I mean, clearly there are politicians in in Washington who haven't been tainted by you know the lobbying dollar too much, um, and and there are going to be many more, I guess, who also will not go down that road. But as you say, I mean, the vast, I mean, the whole system in the USA is based on how much money you can get, um, and yeah. you know, that means you need to be in the pocket of the corporations unless your name uh, is Bernie Sanders. And he reached out to the people, didn't he, in uh, 2016? Um, but the odds were stacked against him anyway because of the institution of the Democratic Party. Yeah, but I, I guarantee Bernie's on some. He has lobbyists. Yeah, I mean lobbyists, uh, of course. I mean the people of is it Vermont? He's uh, Vermont, isn't it? He's the representative of Vermont. I mean, I mean he was, you know, he's he's helping push like you know the whole cannabis legalization movement and. There's a billions of dollars involved in that. Mm, yeah, I mean, not that he'll necessarily benefit from too much of it. Uh, I mean, maybe he likes to smoke, you know, a puff every now and then as well. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not one to judge. Um, but I mean, it's okay to represent the interests of your community. Uh, the question is whether or not int- representing those interests is for or against the common good, and whether or not it is pro or anti. Um, I suppose, human interest, you know, human morality and anything which is discriminatory um, in such a universal manner, um, you know, uh, racist or um, sexist or, uh, you know, is against equality of genders, against sexual equality. Um, I mean, this is not for the common good. So, you know, who are these hidden organizations and lobby groups that continue to push these directions? Why don't they come out uh, and and openly declare themselves either racist or sexist um, and and let people identify them and then make a decision as to whether or not they want to continue using their products? I mean, some companies don't try to change. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not in their interest, I guess. Yeah, I mean, some companies are like, no, we, like, it, like say a meat company, like a beef or like chicken company, like they know, like they're destroying the environment, that they're, you know, killing millions of animals a year, but, and people are lobbying against them and making advertisements against them, and they're not doing anything to make a change. So do you think people don't eat less beef now or eat less meat? I mean, I think they are, but those, but those, I don't know what, you get what I, don't know, I get. What, I mean, I'm, what I'm trying to say is even though less people eat less meat and stuff, it's, it's not really affecting, like those companies aren't like trying to find ways to be more ethical about their practices. Okay. Yeah. That yeah. makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Well, unfortunately, it does make sense. Yeah, and they're not—they're not shutting down factories. Like the only reason why there's like a, sh- uh, a shortage of like chicken or something in the U.S. recently, and then there's always a shortage of bacon, it's just because they can't find enough people to work at the factories. <laughs> mm. 
especially during the COVID issue, they had like a lot of breakouts and stuff in different areas and people are getting unemployment. So people are just taking unemployment instead of having to work this like gruesome job that takes a toll on you mentally. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm. I, I could imagine. I, I'm. I'm not pretty much one of those people who, you know, when they say, you know, if there was no meat, um, you know, that you could readily access and you had to go and hunt your own, um, you know, would you do it? You know, I would quite clearly become a vegetarian gardener. I mean, I, I couldn't kill an animal um, to to feed myself. And if I if I were to try, I would. Yeah, if I were to try it, I'd make such a mess of of what I was trying to do because I just simply don't know how to go about these things. So you um, can learn. But I also I like yeah. I, I find myself now like just eating like if I eat meat, it might just be once. Like I, if I usually eat two meals a day, and one meal I probably eat meat, and sometimes the second I don't. And I, I don't. I wouldn't say. I said there's all there's like three or four different factors for me. You know, maybe it's it's I, I don't try to buy too much meat and keep it like in my refrigerator. I, I keep more like vegetables and stuff or stuff that like might last a little longer. Um, and but like I, I, I'm trying to help the, the consumption go down, but it's not like so that's not the reason why. It's also for like a health benefit for me. I think it's like healthier not to eat, consume so much like meat. And especially red meat and stuff for your like you know your heart and your cholesterol so mm-hmm. i just choose to leave it off yeah i mean i i think i eat meat once a week um so I, you know we've heavily um reduced our how, uh, how recently of, has that like and what is the main cause for that like why why do you, why do you decide to do that is it because your wife's decision or before you guys were married did you eat more meat mm-hmm. No, definitely the influence of my of my wife is extremely strong in this area, um, but mainly because she's educated me more. As in, it's you know we both cook. It's not because uh, oh, you know, she decides what to cook. No, we both cook. Um, but you know, bit bit by bit, I, I've sort of been more and more educated that um, this you know you shouldn't eat too much meat. I mean, also before though, when I lived in in Parma in Italy, I mean there, you know, Parma ham it's a very big uh, industry, and you know, I had friends who were doctors, and uh, you know, they always said that you know, in, in Parma people eat ham, you know, breakfast, uh, lunch, and dinner. Uh, and also they have a few like snacks in between, which is basically salami. And um, yeah, and so by the time a person reaches the age of 60 or 70, their, their veins are all clogged up. You know, it's um, it, it's uh, it, it's really damaging and the heart simply cannot pump uh, the blood around the body. And um, yeah, lots of people die because of it. So. You know, that that was also a lesson for me too. And then afterwards, what I what I learned thereafter since coming to Germany, it's basically you know there are there are there are enough nutritious alternatives um, that mean we can exist without having to uh, to eat meat. I mean, I mean, Chris, you're you're a chef. I mean, you know. I mean, if you do a really nice sauce, uh, you still taste the you know the, the flavor in the sauce, which doesn't necessarily need the meat, does it? No, no, not at all. I if you can if you can flavor something, you can flavor probably flavor vegetables and starches like better than meat in my opinion. Sometimes, unless you eat right sauce, right seasoning, right the way you cook it, prepared, you know, with the heat, 
Um, and you know, also you just add some kind of salt and fat to it, and it's always going to taste good. You can make it taste like meat. Um, but I also, it's like a mental societal uh, issue. You know, if you talk to someone from Australia, like I've lived with Australians, I've had friends, and I never really was around them until I came here to Berlin. But they rarely, like, they always, it's always about meat. And if, if I like to like have salad or vegetable, it's like rabbit food. Um, I'm not saying it's all, but just the, some of the people I've met, because it's like the culture is like steak and Barbie, and you know, and in the U.S., it's like some people like they, they I can't, I don't think some people ever imagine eating a meal without meat <laughs> or protein in it, you know? Yeah, yeah, it's it, it is. I mean, it is such a cultural thing as well, I guess. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, Armenians are also very much you know meat oriented. Um, and so I very much grew up in that way too, and it's it's been a big change for me. But man, I look, I stopped smoking. I um, yeah, I don't eat much meat anymore. I've started running. You know, this is all. You know, as we get older, I guess you, we kind of learn that you know we are not going to remain physically able to live the way that we lived when we were younger. And you know, I should have learned earlier. You know about some of these things. I didn't. I've, I've learned recently, or the last you know ten years. That's fair enough. Yeah, I totally agree. But if when I was back, um, like hanging out with my friend, it's just the mind, like the mindset. You and also you just not being educated on it. I know, like in our talk earlier, um, Alexandra said something like. A, um, what about the, the veggie revolution or blah blah blah? I said some people have no idea about mm. that. It's just it's just not on their newsfeed. They don't have time to go to the grocery store to buy vegetables. And, you know, if you work on your feet all day, um, taking you know doing you know trash, you're a janitor, you're cooking, you're being a waitress, and you're working physically taxing jobs. Um, the last thing you want to do when you're done is go home and cook vegetables. You know, you 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 need you need to eat now. You need simple satisfaction, and you're not earning a lot of money. So you're thinking, how how can I buy like like if I go get a chicken? Like I was at the grocery yesterday, the best quality chicken, which some people you know say you should always get the best quality meat, is 12 euros, right? I can go buy a, a chicken with 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 uh, chips and and a salad from a restaurant down the street for seven, you know. Hmm. So, but that chicken's probably not the best raised. I'm also getting French fries, which I shouldn't be eating, and the salad is all iceberg lettuce and oil. So, you know, what's the convenience? You know, what it's 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 just hard in the society that's moving so fast paced and wants everybody to earn you know and not sit around mm. well i mean the, yeah the, yes, you know again when I mean, we do we're going around to houses a little bit with the discussion but i mean we do keep coming back to the same place which is that you know society kind of keeps pushing us in a certain direction so you know we're talking about food um, you know, as you said, in, in the USA, there are areas where, you know, you can't have uh, the, the good quality food that you'd like. Um, I think in certain parts of California, maybe you can walk into a supermarket and there's wonderful organic food everywhere. And it all looks wonderfully colorful and it's fantastic and tasty. 
But you go into um, you know places in Philadelphia, um, as I was once told a few years ago, and in supermarkets, you know the vegetables shelves are empty because you know, no, as you say, nobody eats them. Yeah, so what's yeah, the point of having them? Yeah, when I was my first time, I went to California. This is 2000, I think. I think I went when I was younger, but I went, first I went by myself to like San Francisco. It was like 2013, and it blew my mind how much healthier the people were and the food options. Everything had avocados and was vegetarian. Every place had uh, locally sourced food. It, you know, they had pictures of where it's from, the farmers, um, even the burger places. You know, hand cut fries. They they use like a less fatty oil um everything all the toppings were refreshed more vegetables than than like bacon and cheese and stuff like that and that's that's just in one country but it's just it's hard i mean i don't know i think this the type of people that moved to california and migrated there were very open-minded people in that time period um and that's when you you have a better source of and then, yeah, the sunshine also and the access to farms. So when you live in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania or New York, it, it's very densely populated. It's uh, very expensive. Even though California is very expensive, but there's more space. Um, so it, you're really thinking about you're not thinking about your health. You're thinking about how can you save money and feed yourself more than like spending the extra 10 euros or whatever it is to get the healthier option or the time that it takes to go to that find that grocery store and go there and find those ingredients you know it just takes more and more time mm. yeah i mean I'm, I'm sure there are also some ghetto areas in california you know los angeles and so on so um you know clearly not everybody um has access to this kind of thing uh, yeah, maybe, maybe there is a certain element in uh, of truth with regards to how uh, open wide open spaces lends itself to healthier living um yeah, I, I don't know. Of course. It's it's hard. I, I I think so. Totally. Yeah, I mean, it is hard to generalize, and um, but I, I can see. I mean, I've I experienced it in a very limited fashion in my limited travels in the U.S., where you know in California you had all sorts of things, but also down in Orlando. Yeah, when I was down in Orlando, you you could get everything. You know, um, all of the, the the sort of healthy options were there for you. Um, again, if you had. Uh, you know the money to shop in the right places listen to this like when i so i i always i keep track of like my movement and steps and you know my phone and uh in the last month in berlin i was averaging like 11 to 13,000 steps a day sometimes i would hit 20,000 but this is like an average and my three weeks in the u.s i think my average was 2,000 steps a day oh god chris it's crazy and that and I, it wasn't like this is just like daily life. I wasn't like really not doing anything. I was doing stuff all the time. Um, I was, you know, trying to eat decently, eat, you know, as much as I could. But it's, it's also very difficult when you have all these other options. But you can just see why there's such an issue. But also, you just you're not living in a city where you have to. You can walk everywhere. I'm where I was. I had to drive everywhere. Yeah, I, I mean that is also, I suppose, related to the size of the the size of the country, the you know, the fact that it's not so overly populated in most of it. Um, most and of also, the, areas. Like the lack of like what what like the lack of like public transport yeah. and efficient efficiency. You know, I mean, of course, yeah, some areas, even 
of course, in all countries, if you live outside the city, there's going to be um, lack of uh, public transport, transportation, and also uh, green areas where you can walk. I know in, in Atlanta, um, my cousin Shirley, like one thing that she was really pushing when she was in office and created was this, um, it's like this bike way around the city the belt it's called the belt line <clears throat> and it used to be an old uh railroad in some areas a section of it and what they did was they paved it over and made it like walking and running space and biking space around the city so people could become more active mm. and also have access to for children and kids to be able to go to different areas of the city safely not being on the busy streets um so i think maybe more cities in the u.s need to incorporate this um, but it's just very difficult when you have such mass space and cities to millions of people that need to get to work. But there's also this concept of time, isn't it? I mean, why do we have to fill every moment with a specific activity which uh, is, is intended to, towards profiteering? So, you know, we don't have to make money with every breath we take. It's also possible to uh, use some of our time to, to think, to ruminate, um, you know, to be able to come up with uh, a sort of creative side of life, which allows us to enjoy things a bit more. You know, this concept of you're constantly running around, you know, technology was supposed to help slow us down. It wasn't supposed to be there to, you know, to, to speed us up, to, to make us more, uh, more, more active for somebody else's bank account. At least it's the way that no, I no, I, it's, no, it's true. I mean, I, I still struggle with, um, I'm a lot more laid back here, but every day it's like, if I'm sitting around, I'm just like, I shouldn't be sitting around. There's, there's something I could be doing. Like, even if I'm just checking my email, you know, or organizing uh, stuff, like, uh, just, like, I just don't see, like, the time to, like, be wasted. And that's just the cultural experience of where I grew up. Yeah. I mean, but it's so much of what we're saying always comes back to the institutionalization uh, of certain ideas, you know, and certain prejudices that are in there. You know, as in, if you are, you know, if you want to be successful, you've got to keep working, you've got to keep moving, you know, and you've you've got to set your uh, your targets to a certain. It's got to be high, you know, and it's you, you've got to jump there to reach it. I mean, but it's also possible to you know to walk towards your target, you know, to to enjoy the journey. We don't all have to run towards that target we definitely don't have to run for somebody else to reach you know impoverished targets um but then there's the other stuff that we were talking about earlier today as well is in you know the the, uh, the way that uh, institutions divide uh, the public by giving us different things to to worry about you know, different concerns to have you know um you know, i don't want to feel guilty for the activities of others, yeah. If you know, if somebody has been discriminated against, you know, I don't want to feel guilty for that. I want to stop it. I want to prevent it from happening again. Um, you know, why is it that we cannot create, you know, a social, a sort of public response to institutionalized racism where we call it out? You know, um, 
they, 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 people do try to call it out, but it's just very difficult when it's already been established and it, 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 it seems like it's the norm, you know, it's the status quo is this, this is this institutionalized racism. Yeah, but it shouldn't be. This is the point, though. It's it's become the norm because it's been in many ways allowed to become the norm. And I'm, here I'm not, um, you know, if people think that I'm being critical of the uh, communities that have been discriminated against. No, um, I, I would never blame the victim. Um, this has been allowed to become the norm normally by uh, those communities which are most similar to the ruling classes. Uh, and in any community that you uh, you can observe this anywhere around the world, I think they're clearly easy to identify. Now, whether that is in, in the UK, in the US, in China, in Russia or any other part of the world, it's clear to see who controls the mechanism of government and who does not. And it is the people, the responsibility of those who are most similar to the ruling groups to be able to bridge the gap of prejudice. You know, why can we not do this as easily as we should be able to in a more developed world? I don't I don't see what the problem is with this. You know? Yeah. No, I, mean, I, I get your point totally. It's just for me. I don't know. Maybe I think I'm always thinking about how to fix issues, but. I just I think I take every opportunity if, if it comes up to talk about it and bring it up. But uh, I will go crazy and lose too much time trying to think about it too much. Mm. I know that sounds like awful, but it's I'm always aware. I'm always reading and learning more about the issues. But uh, there's a point where I have to kind of cut it and just try to focus on what I can do to make myself be successful in this in this culture, in this life. Yeah, man, you always need a time out. You know, you can't you can't only spend your life, um, you know, for example, let's look at it the other way around. You know, if you're a comedian, you don't spend all of your life cracking jokes and laughing. You know, there are other things to do as well. So, you know, if you are somebody who fights for uh, human rights, you know, you also have to take a time out. You cannot always uh, be um, involved in these extremely challenging topics um, and hold on to your sense of humanity at the same time because you get lost in the stream of sadness. Um, and, you know, that's happened to me as well when doing research. It's you need to come out because it's really hard to read some of that, this stuff. And that's where I was saying earlier in the, in the talk, like, are we, too, are we too sensitive about stuff? Are we like, are, are we just looking at everything? I guess hypersensitivity, you know, is everything an issue instead of just trying to picking and choosing what your, you know, your battles are like the, the severity of each issue. Because if you if you sit like you're always looking at everything as like this is wrong like why you know like why is my TV black and not white you know like if it's getting down to this stuff it's it's a little much you know where especially with if like sometimes I find myself in between two different groups of people who are more aware of social issues and discrimination and then there's people who just really aren't. And I have to kind of like cut off and desensitize my thoughts during this time because I won't be able to enjoy other people's company if I don't. 
you know, because they aren't as aware of these situations. Yeah, it's a tough one, isn't it? That because you you know that there is a certain way that people should behave and yet they don't reach those standards. And these are people you've perhaps considered friends at some point in your life. Um, but can you call somebody who's racist a friend? Can you call somebody who's sexist a friend? Can you call somebody who's a, a abusive? A I, I, that's the thing. It's like I don't call them racist or sexist. I'm saying they're just maybe not as a uh, like they know what's right from right and wrong, of course. But it's not like in their day to day uh, thought process. It's not the most important thing to them. Um, and I don't think that makes anybody like a racist or wrong. It's just not a, it's just not part. It's just if you grow up in a certain society where these things aren't um, taught to you at a young age or you aren't having any experience with this. It's just it's just like it's not your it's not your fault. It doesn't put you into a, a category. And then once you get to a certain age, people it's just hard for people to change, you know. Yeah, it's hard. It's it's never too late. I mean, it, it was really hard. It's easy for me to talk about a battle that I have already won. Yeah, but I mean, it was really hard for me to stop smoking after 24 years. Uh, but I did it because I decided the time was right. And I think this is perhaps the issue, isn't it? Um, people have to decide um, you know, when they really do believe that what they've been doing for such a long time is wrong. Um, and, and this is a part of where, you know, society should help them you know, if you've got friends that are doing th- I, and again i'm not trying to specifically here p- point to you nor indeed the, the friend that you may have in mind it's a general thing if i have a friend who's acting in a certain way uh, it's my job to tell him or her that, that this activity is perhaps not the best and explain why and and hope that at some point you know i will get through or my friend will tell me actually zach you're wrong and this is why or and if I am wrong, that my friend will get through to me. That's true, but to me, it's also like there's some friends you you talk about sports with, and some friends you talk about music with. To me, it can it can be that that like it's the same situation. Like I don't um I, I wouldn't say they're racial issues, but just maybe like just cultural issues or talking about culture and race and class and gender. Some people just you just don't have those conversations with. They just don't. Either they're just not educated enough. It's just like someone who does, who likes basketball and someone who likes soccer, and they don't care for basketball. They respect it as a sport. They're, oh yeah, I like watching it sometimes. Like, like yeah, I get racism sometimes, um, <laughs> but mm. they they don't know the ins and out of every racial or sexist moment. You know, they just they can't. It's hard for them to identify every single moment, and I. And of course, if you have the opportunity to teach them, you should. But sometimes those opportunities don't even come up. Yeah, I mean, this hypersensitivity uh, you know, issue is quite a, a tough one to to look at because it's it's very subjective. Yeah, I mean, I may be, you know, are you dancing with your pen here? Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> I, I, I may be completely insensitive about something. Um, and as you say, just because I don't realize it. And then somebody else tells me, but do, do you know what? Did you just hear what you said? You know, um, and then I'd have to think back. Um, you know, how, how, yeah, how insensitive does a person have to be, though, to be able to? And that was just an example for me. As in, but how insensitive does somebody have to be 
um, that they don't realize people around them are being affected by what they say. Yeah. You know, as in, you know, as I said earlier, you know, if it, it's very much subjective, but I mean, if I, you know, I, for example, was looking at a, a certain shopping app because I wanted to buy a certain pair of shoes and you know, all of the shoes that they had, and it wasn't even a sale, all of the shoes they had finished at the size 45. You know, that doesn't do the job for me. It doesn't do the job for you either. Um, so, I mean, I'm not saying this is discrimination, but I mean, just to say, you know, um, if you are a person who always, always, you know, hits that brick wall, then, you know, there is a problem. It's not a question of me being hypersensitive because I didn't have a bigger size than size 45. You know, that is the fact, you know, sort it out. Um, I shouldn't have to go to different shops all the time uh, because uh, a certain shop doesn't provide me with, uh, you know, with the size. What if that's the only place I can go to because I can't afford to go anywhere else? What happens then? You know, so, I mean, there, there are people who, you know, I don't think people hear just one comment or one criticism and think, oh, that's it. This person was sexist towards me. Um, it's a developmental issue, isn't it? Because you, 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 you know, you only start to notice things when it's really related to you. Yeah, totally. I totally agree. And if it ever relates to you, then you might, you'll never notice. So that's, I mean, that's, that's the, that's the main issue for me with this, like trying to like over being hypersensitive is like, some people will never be in that situation to understand why it's important for them not to to learn about this, to learn that, that that this type of discrimination is not okay, that it's really hurt hurtful, and we just never know. Yeah, I mean, as an example, you know, how many times do you think you're likely to see um, a Mini Cooper as you walk down the street? Um, but then once you decide to yourself, oh, do you know what? I'm thinking about buying a Mini Cooper. Then you'll see that maybe every fifth or sixth car is a Mini Cooper because you'll start to notice it before you'd never thought about it. But then you start to notice it because you've developed a, you've created a relationship between you and the car. Uh, I think for people, it's interesting, you know, identify a certain model car, which you don't think you see very often. I can have people come up with a Ferrari Testarossa, then OK, fair enough. But I mean, you know, generally speaking, a, a kind of common you know mass production vehicle well yeah if you pick like five models that you see the most and then or something like that then yeah yeah then you'll notice them more won't you because you've developed a relationship with them you know and it's the same it's the same thing exactly i had a friend that dated uh, a girl she was muslim and he like you know he never talked about anything about uh like this muslim discrimination islamic you know, hate xenophobia, this type of stuff. And then as soon as he was dating her for a couple of years, these issues were always coming up. <laughs> yeah, you know? because, because he was uh, more aware of them because she had exactly. educated him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, th- yeah, these are things that we have to look at. But some people, they don't have the patience. They don't care. They, no, it's, not, it's not my problem. Why do I care? Or, th- or they just like they have this mentality when they hear something about that, they're just like, oh, that's just, I'm just going to ignore it. Yeah, it's easier to ignore, isn't it, sometimes? Yeah, okay. Um, Chris, uh, you know, I think we've got uh, yeah, so many different topics that we uh, we'll probably want to jump into, but let's, uh, we need to take a break of our own, I guess, because yeah. 
uh, yeah, after Starving. this morning's fantastic session. Yes, indeed. Go, go eat those. Uh, did did that, you those like did, three steaks? Did you like the the session was good. You thought? Yeah, I thought it was very good. Um, it, it's cool to talk to um, people who are very aware of topics uh, in the first place. Um, and then who can also engage in sort of a different approach or a different idea uh, with relation to those topics. Um, it's it's quite fulfilling. How do you feel? No, I thought it was fine. It was good to hear some other people's uh, um, aspects. Yeah. yeah, excellent. Cool. All right, Chris, I'll be in touch soon, my friend. Um, take care of yourself and yeah. All the best. All right, Doug. See you.